Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Oklahoma City to speak with Ryland Styles of Locked On Thunder about that series against the Rockets and Oklahoma City winning Game 3. Then we go to Miami to speak with David Rumel of Locked On Heat about Miami 3-0 up on the Indiana Pacers, how that series is looking and what potentially the series against Milwaukee in round two could look like. And lastly, we go to Los Angeles to speak with Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers about the Lakers and some of their struggles against Portland, but whether they have righted the ship or not, it's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. And I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. The NBA playoffs, well, we've got uh, one first round series done, a couple uh, pretty close to being over. So they're really in full swing. So we're going to look at some of the stories across the league. So let's get to it. Now, let's bring in the host of the Locked On Thunder podcast. Ryland Styles is here with me. Oklahoma City went down in the first two games, double-digit margins, but on Saturday, they got one back on the Houston Rockets, a 12-point victory. What did you see, Ryland, that was different in Game 3 versus the first couple? Because this series looked like it could have got out of hand pretty quickly. So in Game 3, late in that game, the Thunder went small, and a lot of that was attributed to Stephen Adams going out with an injury, but they still went small in the, in the critical moments of that game offensively to really get them the lead. You saw that wide-open Shea 3 is attributed to Lou Dort being the one to set the screen rather than Steven Adams. It just creates so much space whenever you go small. And in Game 3, they also got a good performance out of Chris Paul, which was the first time that they got that all series long. So in Game 3, things kind of clicked, and you, and you, of course, have seen by now uh, the impact Lou Dort has had since returning to the series in Game 2 and, and continuing on in, in Game 3 against James Harden to, to kind of really uh, shut him down the best you can, the best anyone can in the NBA. And even for a rookie, he's doing a phenomenal job on, on James Harden. Yeah, Dort has been huge, and we saw him play you know, over 30 minutes in that Game 3 as well. After missing Game 1, you know, just replacing those minutes that Ferguson and, and Diallo and Robinson were getting early on as well has been huge for um, for, for the, the Thunder. Now, you talked about Adams and his knee injury. Where is he sitting with that at the moment? Well, you know, it's kind of a conflicting report right now because during the game, the Thunder PR staff sent us uh, that he was out and he could not return. Uh, McKelly Andrews also relayed that message on ESPN. But then in the postgame press conference, Billy Donovan said, uh, no, he was available. I just didn't want to play him. So it's kind of left up in the air. It's depending on who you ask. And according to Billy Donovan, he's ready to go and he is fully healthy. He just did not get back in the game. Okay, so... If that's the case, how do you expect this to sort of run in, in game four if Adams is going to be available? Uh, will they run more of this these small-type lineups to try and counter Houston's lineups? Well, if they want to win, they absolutely have to do that. You have to go small. I will expect that Adams still starts and that Adams plays maybe like 20 minutes because, frankly, he's one of the only players 
on this roster that's, an, that's a solidified NBA player that should be playing postseason minutes, uh, but this matchup is not conducive to his play style. So I would imagine he starts, he plays about 20 minutes, but the most, you know, the majority of your minutes needs to be occupied by a small body lineup, by Gallinari being your five and, and spacing the floor that way. I, I really think that that's how you can keep up with and beat the Houston Rockets. Okay, so you talked about Chris Paul you know, struggling maybe a little bit in the first couple of games. What do we see different from him in that in that game three? You know, I, I think that the game three started the same way we saw the first two games start. They were pressing. They were, uh, you know, taking terrible shots. They, they were having no flow offensively. And in the second half of that game, I think everyone realized, okay, if we lose this game, this series is totally and absolutely over. So Chris Paul played more like the Chris Paul we've seen all year that has gotten him into the MVP conversation to see at that table this season. And, and what we saw was the offense returning back to that motion offense. And, and maybe it was Chris Paul playing looser because he wasn't immediately shooting shots early in the shot clock that were contested and he had no business taking. They were really penetrating to the rim, which was a thing that they should have been doing all series long. They were, you know, again, passing the ball more and not playing this ISO style hero ball between him and Dennis Schroeder. And that's what really unlocked this offense late in that game. You spoke about Schroeder. Of course, he missed nearly all of the bubble games due to the birth of his child. He's back. He's playing big minutes. Um, this matchup, you know, there's been criticisms of Schroeder that yeah, I know the lineups with him and and Paul and Gilgis Alexander all season have been really strong, but when he's been left to run the show by himself, it's been a struggle. Do you think that yeah, you know, he's played pretty well, had some big usage games as well here in this series, but I feel like this matchup against Houston is probably the best case scenario because of how small they go, allowing those three guard lineups to be out there a lot more for the Thunder. Is that a is is that or have you seen anything different from Schroeder that would make you think that that in other sort of matchups he's going to be able to have a little bit more impact? I think that the biggest surprise with Dennis is just his defensive ability. Uh, you know, you really look at him, and you would assume he was a liability. Uh, well, he's not an impact defender. He does the right things defensively, and that's as low as a bar as you can get, someone who does the right things and doesn't foul. But in terms of staying on the floor, that's what you need to do. And you mentioned that he missed most of the seeding games, and I think that in game three, if you want to look at it glass half full, while he did take 10 threes that were pretty ill-advised, he also got to the rim a lot more, and that comes with conditioning. That comes with getting back into a, a basketball rhythm, so maybe he's going to build off of that for game four. I think moving on, if they can get past this series and go to a different matchup, uh, the next matchup would be the Lakers, and you've seen how they've struggled against perimeter uh, guards, so maybe he can stay on the floor in that series, but but there are still question marks moving forward for Dennis's future beyond this season of what he what role he fits into. Is he a starter? Is he a sixth man? Can he actually run an offense? Because you're right, even with the success he's had, and I think he's the sixth, sixth man of the year, he's had trouble running an offense still. Yeah, that, that has been a, a real problem for him is setting things up by himself, but playing off ball, it's worked uh, It's worked really well for this team, and we've seen that uh, through most of the season. This matchup, this, uh, I picked the Thunder in this series mainly for that reason, that they could run their most effective lineup, that three-guard lineup, a lot more against Houston and not have the defensive concerns necessarily be a problem as they would be against a team against a team like the Lakers. Now, they take on the Rockets again on Monday. The... I guess the the Rockets have a little bit of a wake-up call there by losing that game three. There's still no Russell Westbrook. The Thunder really need to strike here and get this one. This is uh, It feels like a must-win situation for them. Is that how you would think the team is approaching this? 
Yeah, that's exactly what I've said on Locked on Thunder as well. This is truly a must win because if you can win today against the Rockets, you shift back the pressure to Houston. If Houston wins and, and they're up 3-1, it's over. But if you can push that pressure onto, onto Houston and their role players that have been on fire all series long start to feel that pressure and start missing shots, you have Lou Dort to combat James Harden. And we've seen at times, if Russell Westbrook can come back in the series, we've seen at times in the playoffs, Russell Westbrook gets out of sorts and he starts playing terribly. Ricky Rubio was able to get in his head. And you, you saw Damian Lillard get in his head last year. You don't think Chris Paul, who is the biggest agitator in the NBA, can get underneath uh, Russell Westbrook's skin in this series. I think that the pressure right now is a win-now game for both sides because whoever wins, it changes the series dramatically. If Oklahoma City can win again, the pressure goes back to Houston. If Houston can win, Oklahoma City uh, can just pack their bags and they're going home. Yeah, I think, I'd say that's probably probably right. Now, one last thing before we go. Darius Basley at the end of the seeding games was playing a fantastic role. You know, 25, 30 minutes a game, scoring fantastically. But his role has been really reduced here in the playoffs where he's you know, basically a 10, 12-minute guy. Um, is it a matchup thing or were those seeding games just, so let's just see what we can develop here and sort of protect Gallinari, who was only playing those 20 minutes. Is that more of what it is? So in the seeding games, obviously the usage goes up for Darius Baisley in those last three games where he's scoring back-to-back-to-back to back to back 20-point nights. Uh, the, the usage goes up, of course. But with Baisley, all year long, he's been one of the smartest rookies I've ever seen. He, while the stat sheet might not reflect it, he does not have the gaudy numbers, he always makes the right decision with the basketball in his hands and without it in his hands. He is a high IQ player. And in this series, the minutes he does get have been phenomenal. So it's so frustrating as to why Billy Donovan has chosen not to play him. I think that he can play perfectly in this Houston series. You've seen the Rockets out-rebound the Thunder, even with Steven Adams on the floor. You saw the Thunder on, on game uh, three on Saturday out-rebound offensively without Adams. They got more rebounds offensively without Adams on the floor. I think that Baisley should be a big part in this series. He's proven that he can do it. While, yes, he's not going to score you 20, nights the way, 20 points the way he did the last few nights in the bubble, but he can still provide a huge asset with that shooting ability, with his playmaking ability, and his ability to run the floor after a rebound. And he's shown he can get in down low and get some rebounds, especially against the Rockets. So I hope that he does play a lot more. And Billy Donovan needs to look at that avenue. I think that, that Baisley has been an underrated storyline for the Thunder. Well, Ryland, thank you for coming on Locked On NBA, talking about the Thunder. If you want to hear recaps of Game 4 and the rest of the series and the rest of any future series the Thunder may be in, go check out Locked On Thunder. Thank you for coming on Locked On NBA. Anytime. I appreciate it. We all know that there's so much stress around in the world, and it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most and to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer. They're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code is NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Now we talk to the host of the Locked On Heat podcast. David Ramil is here with me, Miami, with a commanding 3-0 lead over the Indiana Pacers, looking to wrap up the series on Monday. 
this series, David, to me, look from the outside to really favor Miami. But I think they've been they've been playing at a higher level than even than I expected in this series, and it's it's felt really comfortable through the three games so far. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. They've been playing less than perfectly, and the talent disparity is such a wide one with DeMontis Sabonis being out and Jeremy Lamb, their top bench scorer, also being out for the season that Miami can basically cruise through most of the game playing at a mediocre level and then just turn it up enough to distance themselves if Indiana ever threatens or gets closer, as they did in Game 3. And it still wasn't enough where Miami wound up just outpacing them and and, and just being able to shoot so well from the perimeter and and do everything that they possibly can to, to, again, seal the victory. There's been a little bit of a change in in the rotation here. Uh, Kendrick Nunn out of the rotation, uh, which is not really a surprise given the way that you know, he was recovering from his COVID diagnosis in the bubble and he struggled when he did play and Goran Dragic seemingly completely rejuvenated. Uh, so there's been that change. There's also been the change where Tyler Hero is playing 30 plus minutes most nights and seemingly getting, well not seemingly, actually getting more minutes than Duncan Robinson on a nightly basis. The non-Dragic one is pretty straightforward. We might get back to that in a second. But the Hero Robinson one is interesting to me. What has Tyler Hero done? Because there was times, and we've talked about this in the past, that if they were going to look for someone who maybe had to be out of the rotation, maybe Hero was going to be that guard when everyone was fit and firing. But now he's playing 30 minutes a night, and he's a key part. He's playing backup point guard type minutes as well. What's been that change for Hero? Well, with Goran Dragic starting in place of Kendrick Nunn and Nunn completely out of the rotation, it's made, it's been obvious that Tyler Hero needs to step up and play a significant amount of minutes. Derek Jones Jr. isn't playing much either. Myers Leonard's out of the rotation. And so Tyler just comes in and provides a lot of shot creation, pass, uh, passing ability. Uh, and of course, he can knock down the, the shot from the perimeter as well. And so that's been on him to... to boost the offense from the bench and in clutch situations he's been a player who has stepped up throughout the regular season and Spolster just feels very comfortable going with Tyler as one of the closers in this lineup although Goran has been playing that role as well Tyler's defense still needs to improve and so in game three when it was particularly close you saw some situations where Tyler would come out Duncan would come back in in his place or Jay Crowder would come in in his place and and so that he's there's still limitations to what Hero can do but on the offensive end if you need a bucket it's clear that Tyler gives you that option and he provides, again, a, a huge boost to your offense. Yeah, it's really been a big step up from him as well from where he was at points during the regular season. We're also seeing a lot more minutes coming for Andre Iguodala, and that is limiting the playing time for both Kelly Linick and Derek Jones. Iguodala was playing at yeah, 15, 17 minutes or so in the regular season. How He's now pushing up to almost those Warriors-type minutes uh, up around that 30 mark. But the, the Heat, they're not without some injury concerns hitting into Game 4. David, they've got four players currently listed as questionable. Three of those guys are rotation players. Jay Crowder with an ankle problem. Andre Iguodala with a hip issue. Derek Jones Jr. with an ankle problem. And then Chris Silva with a groin strain. Is there any concern for any of those, maybe, you know, those three rotation forwards that, that are on the injury report? No, I, I think it's mostly just because the league has made sure that teams just fully disclose any kind of potential or nagging injury issues and to detail those as closely as possible. I think Jay looked like he had an, the injury. I think we saw from Crowder in game three, Iguodala's I did not see. I think it's just a, a result, honestly, of advanced age in his career, but I wouldn't have any concerns. I think they're both available now and it shouldn't be an issue for them uh, in game four. How good has Jimmy Butler been for this heat team? Phenomenal. You look at the 20 free throw attempts in game three, and that's, I mean, from Pacers fans' perspective, and I talked to Lockdown Pacers host Tony East, you know, he didn't have any issue with the 20 free throws. A lot of those were well-earned. And that's the whole thing with Jimmy's offense 
being somewhat erratic, uh, you know, obviously he shot well from the perimeter in games one and two, but you can't still rely on his jumper very consistently. The, he's just able to slow the game down, get to the line whenever he wants. He draws contact so well. Of course, his defense is elite, and his playmaking ability has always been an underrated aspect there, but it's just his ability to control the game has been the true difference for between Miami and Indiana. They don't have that kind of superstar that can get to the line, get that instant offense going, and, and you know, it's just been so remarkable the difference between the two teams and butler really seems to embody that as completely as possible let's you know maybe riskily look forward a little bit because we're assuming that miami can take this series off the paces here with a three uh, three nil lead and they're most likely going to face the milwaukee bucks in round two now this is not going to be an easy series for either team really but is there how much of a chance do we give miami given the way they're playing the way they seem playoff tested at the moment uh, and really sort of just cruising. Yeah, is there is there an upset chance perhaps brewing in round two? I think so. I, I'd say it's a 30% chance, uh, maybe a little higher than that, just based on the kind of playoff experience that Miami has and the fact that they feel pretty confident about their chances against Milwaukee. Obviously, they were able to beat them during their regular season on a couple of occasions, and, and they have the personnel. The midseason acquisition of Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala was based partly at, at, with the effect of trying to limit Giannis Antetokounmpo and his touches and build the, the wall that seems to be very effective in limiting his ability to score at the rim. Uh, they, they're very switchable uh, on defense which you know they can obviously pressure Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe or even Brooke Lopez when he's out on the perimeter so I think that's a, a huge boost for Miami and, and so I, I like their chances they, they've got the personnel they've got the experience they've got the coaching if anything you know Mike Budenholzer obviously uh, well known for being a little inflexible with rotations he doesn't make the kind of in-series adjustments that necessarily help his team and Eric Spolster has been the exact opposite of that you know limiting Myers Leonard Kendrick Nunn Derek Jones guys that were heavy parts of the rotations during the regular season I think just shows that Spo is willing to make changes where he recognized that there are certain personnel that he can go to and, and trust in certain situations and I think that's been a, a huge boost for Miami again yeah it has been and yeah, that's that thing we talk about yeah Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn started all season now they're not even in the rotation because it doesn't fit what they need to do at this point in the year and that's yeah that sort of yeah, flexibility, but not only just flexibility, but, but yeah, fast-changing flexibility to make sure you get out ahead of it rather than wait two games ago, or maybe we need to make this change now. And having right. that adjustment has been really key, I think, in this series and, and getting off to that lead. And it's going to bode well for the future, of course. David, you're going to have all of the Heat action covered for us over on Locked On Heat as they, hopefully for Heat fans, wrap up the series pretty quickly and then get ready for that round two. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA. Absolutely. Always my pleasure. Guys, Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar ever is back with more new flavors. They now have 18 amazing flavors. Six newies, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. These, these protein bars, they don't even taste like protein bars. They're like candy bars. That is how good they taste, covered in 100% chocolate, but they're also great for if you are looking to look after your health. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The Coconut Armor New Flavor, 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories and only 5 grams of sugar. That is fantastic. The Cherry Barcia Bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories only. That is amazing with 4 grams of sugar. And while supplies last, at Built Bar, they have a free cooler with purchase. So make sure you're getting quick to get that offer. Go to builtbar.com 
Use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use that promo code locked on again for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin, is here with me. Anthony, um, obviously it wasn't a great start to things with the Lakers losing game one against the Portland Trailblazers, and they looked a little bit shaky in some of the seeding games, but how confident are you feeling at the moment? Do you think things are back on track? I mean, I, even in that first game, there, there, there should have been no Lakers fans really actually panicking from it, right? You know, it's, it's that, you know, they were getting every shot that they wanted, had something like sixteen attempts in, you know, putback situations, half of their percentage uh, that they average in the regular season. I think they in the in the uh, in the regular season they usually uh, make those at about a sixty percent. About a third of those attempts in the game, uh, they had wide open three pointers that just you know weren't falling, and then in the second, take those attempts and look significantly better. And then you know last game was was in an ugly game, especially given the way is is actually probably a really good thing for them to to be in that. Uh, obviously it could be prettier Lakers aren't in, you know, overtime against in game, uh, four here. So, you know, we've seen yeah, some struggles, I guess, at, at times from some of, some of these guys, LeBron wasn't exactly himself in the seeding games, but he really stepped it up, yeah. uh, through the playoffs. Anthony Davis has had his moments, but he's had some, some good games here. They're of course still without, uh, Rajon Rondo, which some Anthony may argue is a positive. He's uh, he's now doubtful again for Game Four with back spasms. What have we made about the the way the rotations have run? The fact that Deion Waiters really isn't playing a, a part in things after being a yeah, pretty significant part of the rotation throughout the throughout the seeding games, and the fact that we are and I don't think it's working with that much success, but still playing a lot of the Howard and McGee minutes. Well, the, I, I I don't think I'll ever understand. Uh, to be completely honest, I, I think it's it's purely a chemistry thing. Vogel doesn't want to go away from him because of the concern that he might quit. Uh, he's already, I, you know, it, it looked like earlier in the bubble he benched JaVale once. So, you know, I think if you bench him one more time, if you send another message to him, you have to follow that up with legitimate action. And in this case, the legitimate action would be just taking him out of the rotation altogether. So... I think we're about a step away from that. I just think like the, the, the sport of basketball has moved away from bigs like JaVale and, and, and two big lineups. You have all these teams running spread pick and roll systems. And if you are, you know, seven feet tall and you can't move your feet to keep up with the Damian Lillard's, the CJ McCollum's, the, the Donovan Mitchell's of this world, you don't really get to exist or play very often in these big playoff situations against all these teams that have made that system so hyper-efficient. So uh, I think as as we go along, eventually we're probably going to see JaVale's time dwindle and Dwight get any minutes uh, between the two of them that, that that used to be shared between the two of them, and then AD playing the bulk of his minutes at the five. Uh, either that or the Lakers are just 
not equipped to to beat teams that they're going to face in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that that's that's a key thing. We feel like confident they can handle Portland overall, but you know when you move forward. I'm not sure those lineups are going to necessarily be uh, tenable. And I spoke just earlier with, with David on Locked on Heat about making adjustments early rather than waiting until you get into a hole to make those proactive decisions. And I think Vogel has got to really start considering uh, considering that for this team. Kyle Kuzma was really good, I thought, in the seeding games. Like He looked um, yeah, to be an improved player, but his minutes have also dwindled, like low 20s in each of the last two. How's he looked in these playoff games? You know, it's weird. I, I, I his His minutes, I thought should have done anything but dwindle based on how he played in the, in those seeding games, like you said. And then, you know, given the energy that he's bringing defensively, uh, I, 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 I think that he should probably get more minutes just in general that, that he's been getting. Uh, I, I think Marcus Morris has like Morris just seems to have the kind of attitude that you need uh, to, to play in the playoffs. It's just, it's just, a really gritty, in-your-face, yeah, I'm small, but F you kind of mentality. Uh, and, and I think LeBron really respects respects that. I think AD really respects that. And there's value in that, uh, for, for you know, especially given what we just talked about with JaVale McGee. And I think Kuzma is still trying to prove his worth in that respect. And I think he's made strides there. But at the end of the day, when these games are win-or-go-home kind of stuff— in these series, you know, you only you can only lose four times, man. And the more that you lose in in the first round here against the Blazers, the more tired you're going to be against Houston, who looks like a freaking juggernaut right now. Uh, the more tired you're going to be if you get through Houston to to face uh, the Clippers and then eventually the Bucks. So there's no real messing around here. And like you just said a second ago, it's not so much you know, making adjustments to getting punched in the face. It's avoiding getting punched in the face and getting punched in the face. Yeah, look, it is going to be interesting to this this end. Look, they haven't, and even the Bucks, they haven't really you know, looked like the dominant one seeds so far. Um, there's still time for that to to get uh, rectified, but there's obviously it's not going to be a cakewalk, Anthony. I think people know that for the Lakers moving forward, and for any team really in this situation with so many teams, you have know, showing out some good performances. We're going to have some really strong round twos in these playoffs. It seems you're going to have all of the Lakers action covered for us over on Locked On Lakers. So thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And then I'll do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you are subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify, and go and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check us. Check out our social media accounts, uh, Locked On NBA Pods over on Instagram as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.